Hello and welcome to another episode of Covenant and Conversation with me, Rabbi Sachs. In each new episode, we'll explore a Jewish idea from the Hebrew Bible based on the Torah reading of the week. Vayishlach, physical fear, moral distress. Twenty-two years have passed since Jacob fled his brother, penniless and alone. Twenty-two years have passed since Esau swore his revenge for what he saw as the theft of his blessing. Now the brothers are about to meet again. It's a fraught encounter. Once Esau had sworn to kill Jacob. Will he do so now, or has time healed the wound? Jacob sends messengers to let his brother know he's coming. They return, saying that Esau is coming to meet Jacob with a force of 400 men, a contingent so large it suggests to Jacob that Esau is intent on violence. Jacob's response is immediate and intense. It says, And Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. The fear is understandable, but his response contains an enigma. Why the duplication of verbs? What's the difference between fear and distress? To this, a midrash gives a profound answer. Rabbi Yehuda Bar Eloi said, Are not fear and distress identical? The meaning, however, is that he was afraid that he might be killed. He was distressed that he might kill. For Jacob thought, if he prevails against me, will he not kill me? While if I prevail against him, will I not kill him? And that's the meaning of his, he was afraid lest he should be killed and distressed lest he should kill. The difference between being afraid and distressed, according to the Midrash, is that the first is a physical anxiety, the second a moral one. It's one thing to fear your own death, quite another to contemplate being the cause of someone else's. Jacob's emotion then was twofold, encompassing the physical and psychological, the moral and the material. This, however, raises a further question. Self-defense is permitted in Jewish law. If Esau were to try to kill Jacob, Jacob would be justified in fighting back, if necessary, even at the cost of Esau's life. Why then should this possibility raise moral qualms? This is the issue addressed by Rabbi Shabtai Bas, the author of the commentary on Rashi known as Siftei Chachamim. He says one might argue that Jacob should surely not be distressed about the possibility of killing Esau, for there's a rule if somebody comes to kill you, forestall it by killing him. Nonetheless, Jacob did have qualms, fearing that in the course of the fight he might kill some of Esau's men who were not themselves intent on killing him but merely on fighting his men. And even though Esau's men were pursuing Jacob's men and every person has the right to save the life of the pursued at the cost of the life of the pursuer, nonetheless there's a condition. If the pursued could have been saved by maiming a limb of the pursuer but instead the rescuer killed the pursuer, then the rescuer is liable to capital punishment on that account. Hence Jacob feared that in the confusion of battle he might kill some of Esau's men when he might have restrained them merely by inflicting injury on them. The principle at stake, according to the Siftei Chachamim, is the minimum use of force. The rules of defense and self-defense are not an open-ended permission to kill. 
There are laws restricting what's nowadays called collateral damage, the killing of innocent civilians, even if undertaken in the course of self-defense. Jacob was distressed at the possibility that in the heat of conflict, he might kill some of the combatants when injury alone might have been all that was necessary to defend the lives of those, including himself, who were under attack. A similar idea is found in the Midrash's interpretation of the opening sentence of Genesis 15. Abraham had just fought a victorious war against four kings, undertaken to rescue his nephew Lot, when God suddenly appeared to him and said, Don't be afraid, Abraham, I am your shield. The verse implies that Abraham was afraid. But of what? he just triumphed in the military encounter. The battle was over. There was no cause for fear. On this, the Midrash comments, another reason for Abraham's fear after killing the kings in battle was his sudden realization. Perhaps I violated the divine commandment that the Holy One, blessed be he, commanded Noah, he who sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed. For how many people I killed in battle? Or as another Midrash puts it, Abraham was filled with misgiving, thinking to himself, maybe there was a righteous or God-fearing man among the troops that I slew. There is, however, a second possible explanation for Jacob's fear, namely that the Midrash means what it says, no more and no less. Jacob was distressed at the possibility of being forced to kill, even if it were entirely justified. What we're encountering here is the concept of a moral dilemma. The phrase is often used imprecisely to mean a moral problem, a difficult ethical decision. But a dilemma is not simply a conflict. There are many moral conflicts. May we perform an abortion to save the life of the mother? Should we obey a parent when he or she asks us to do something forbidden in Jewish law? May we desecrate the Shabbat to extend the life of a terminally ill patient? These questions have answers. There's a right course of action and a wrong one. Two duties conflict, and we have meta-halachic principles to tell us which takes priority. There are some systems in which All moral conflicts are of this kind. There's always a decision procedure, and hence a single answer to the question, what should I do? A dilemma, however, is a situation in which there is no right answer. It arises in cases of conflict between right and right, or between wrong and wrong, where whatever we do, we're doing something that in other circumstances we should not do. The Talmud Yerushalmi describes one such case when a fugitive from the Romans, Olabakoshev, takes refuge in the town of Lud. The Romans surround the town and say, hand over the fugitive or we'll kill you all. Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi persuades the fugitive to give himself up. This is a complex case, much discussed in Jewish law, but it's one in which both alternatives are tragic. Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi acts in accordance with halacha. But according to the Talmud, the prophet Elijah asked him, V'zu mishnat hachasidim? Is this the way of the pious? Moral dilemmas are situations in which doing the right thing is not the end of the matter. The conflict may be inherently tragic. Jacob in this parasha 
finds himself trapped in such a conflict. On the one hand, he ought not to allow, to allow himself to be killed. On the other, he ought not to kill someone else, but he must do one or the other. The fact that one principle, self-defense, overrides another, the prohibition against killing, does not mean that faced with such a choice, he is without qualms, especially given the fact that Esau is his twin brother. Despite their differences, they grew up together, they were kin. This intensifies the dilemma yet more. Sometimes being moral means that you experience distress even at having to make such a choice. Doing the right thing may mean that one doesn't feel remorse or guilt, but still you feel regret or grief about the action that needs to be taken. A moral system which leaves room for the existence of dilemmas is one that doesn't attempt to eliminate the complexities of the moral life. In a conflict between two rights or two wrongs, there may be a proper way to act, the lesser of two evils or the greater of two goods. But this doesn't cancel out all emotional pain. A righteous individual may sometimes be one who is capable of distress, even when knowing they have acted correctly. What the Midrash is telling us is that Judaism recognizes the existence of dilemmas. Despite the intricacy of Jewish law and its meta-halachic principles for deciding which of two duties takes priority, we may still be faced with situations in which there is an ineliminable cause for distress. It was Jacob's greatness that he was capable of moral anxiety, even at the prospect of doing something entirely justified, namely defending his life at the cost of his brothers. This characteristic, distress at violence and potential bloodshed, even when undertaken in self-defense, has stayed with the Jewish people ever since. One of the most remarkable phenomena in modern history was the reaction of Israeli soldiers after the Six-Day War in 1967. In the weeks preceding the war, few Jews anywhere in the world were unaware that Israel and its people faced terrifying danger. Troops, Egyptian, Syrian, Jordanian, were massing on all its borders. Israel was surrounded by enemies who had sworn to drive its people into the sea. And yet it won one of the most stunning military victories of all time. The sense of relief was overwhelming, as was the exhilaration at the reunification of Jerusalem and the fact that Jews could now pray as they had been unable to do for 19 years at the Western Wall. Even the most secular Israelis admitted to feeling intense religious emotion at what they knew was a historic triumph. Yet in the months after the war, as conversations took place throughout Israel, it became clear that the mood among those who had taken part in the war was anything but triumphal. It was somber, reflective, even anguished. That year, the Hebrew University in Jerusalem gave an honorary doctorate to Yitzhak Rabin, chief of staff during the war. During his speech of acceptance, he said this, We find more and more a strange phenomenon among our fighters. Their joy is incomplete, and more than a small portion of sorrow and shock prevails in their festivities. And there are those who abstain from celebration. The warriors in the front line saw with their own eyes not only the glory of victory, 
but the price of victory. Their comrades who fell beside them bleeding, and I know that even the terrible price which our enemies paid touched the hearts of many of our men. It may be that the Jewish people has never learnt or accustomed itself to feel the triumph of conquest and victory, and therefore we receive it with mixed feelings. These mixed feelings were born thousands of years earlier, when Jacob, father of the Jewish people, experienced not only the physical fear of defeat, but the moral distress of victory. Only those who are capable of feeling both can defend their bodies without endangering their souls. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening. You can download a written version of my commentary and explore all my additional content by visiting www.rabbisax.org. This year, we also have an accompanying family edition of Covenant and Conversation aimed at connecting children and teenagers with these ideas and thoughts. For a family edition discussion sheet on this week's parasha, please go to www.rabbisax.org slash cc family edition.